Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, there it is. What's up, Notre Dame fans? Mike Singer, Mike Goolsby. This is the Mike Goolsby Show. Mike, you all good? I'm all set, buddy. All right. Well, uh, welcome in, everyone. Sorry about the couple-day delay um, here. Um, I was out of town over the weekend, and Goolsby was too. So um, just kind of worked out for us to move the show here to a Tuesday night. So a little bit more time to re- reflect um, on Notre Dame's 44-21 to 21 win over UNLV. Um, no dull games for the Fighting Irish. Um, so uh, tons to discuss here. If you're watching with us live or watching back, please do hit the thumbs up on this video. If you're not able to be with us live and do a super chat, this really does help. Um, support our channel um, and uh, subscribe to our channel, of course, so you can get all of our Notre Dame football and recruiting coverage. And if you're listening via podcast, appreciate you as well. We always encourage you to come over to the YouTube side of things and watch um, that way. And of course, head to bloomandgold.com. $10 gets you access through August 31st. So first couple of minutes of the show have been the fight song and Mike Singer, but that's not why people are here. Mr. Goolsby, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, buddy. Yeah, uh, that that cancellation of the show, that was on me. I was visiting my folks out and they retired and moved to rural eastern Tennessee. And um, you know, those volunteers are playing well, bro. And it's like, if, if Notre Dame doesn't get their act together, we're going to lose my Old Mary Beth and Rick, my parents, we're going to lose them as Notre Dame fans. They're going to convert and become Tennessee fans, you know, if we keep this up. So, but yeah, it was nice to get away. Good to be back. The game was so, you know, boring is probably the word that comes to mind. Yeah, it's like you almost had to give it a day or two to kind of process and come up with some, some talking points, man. So here we are. I mean, I think the first quarter was outstanding. It was also the longest first quarter I feel like I've seen in a long time. Sure. Um, but after that, UNLV and, um, I mean, Notre Dame were basically an even game. Notre Dame outscored them 21-14. to And this is UNLV. <laughs> it's just uh, – so for me, Mike, and I always like to kind of give my thoughts and then let you rebuttal. For me, uh, I – are you more optimistic, less optimistic, or feel the same about this Notre Dame team after UNLV game? Um, it's the same. There's just so many issues with the team, and then so many, you know, the, you know, there's positive moments, but it's just like I don't know what to make of this team from week to week. Yeah, I was thinking about it last night. It feels this season feels 
in a lot of ways, like similar to last season in that, like, it's somewhat like uninspiring. They're figuring out ways to kind of win games that, you know, last year there's games that we, we lost, but, uh, excuse me, this year, the games that we've lost and last year, we maybe kind of won close and it was like semi embarrassing, you know, we didn't perform as well as we'd like to. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's not a lot of positives coming out of the game, but to me, it was this kind of like, it's a matter of fact kind of situation. Um, like the offense hasn't really evolved and I've heard a lot of folks discuss that Mike. And it's like, well, what do you kind of expect? I mean, you install your offense throughout spring and during training camp. And you sort of, I mean, you tweak it week to week, you know, you'd sprinkle in some things, add some things, subtract some things, but like watching our offense, man, like the best way that I could put it, it's like, we haven't evolved beyond like week one or week two of install. Like we've installed like our base offense and then that's all we've got. There's no real variation, but uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about like, you know, we, we have such better athletes than people that we should be, you know, blowing out a team like a uh, shoot, like most every team on our, on our schedule, in this case, UNLV, but going back to the matter of fact thing, Tim Hyde said this, I mean, we are playing our third string quarterback. And like, when you look at the talent from last year, but yes, well, yeah. Second string this year. Fine. Yeah. There's still a good point, but like you just go down, like, and forgive me if I miss somebody, but like, we're talking outside talent receivers specifically. Colsey has been kind of MIA this year. Um, and, you know, wasn't, didn't give us a lot of hope. Like last year, you got Mary Weathers, a true freshman who's still confused out there early, early in the first quarter, Lindsay had to tell him to, kind of go in motion. Like he's still learning the thing, but he's a, he's a true freshman. You've got styles. Who's gotten, he gave us a glimmer of hope last year as a true freshman kind of flash. And he's gotten maybe like progressively worse. And I want to get into the wide receiver play. And, but okay. I'm just going through like the roster, the talent, Joe Wilkins, I think is back, but you know, um, MIA. MIA. And again, he's not a world beater talent to begin with. Right. Nor was Avery Davis. who's a captain and, you know, really solid player, but he's not going to strike fear in, a, in an opponent's heart. You got Jaden Thomas, who's shown some flashes, but again, in terms of like a talent, like a, a go get it talent, um, it kind of remains to be seen. And you've got Matt Salerno, who's a walk on. Am I missing anybody, Mike, at the receiver position? I don't think so. So that's what we're working with. You said Merriweather, so right? Yeah, I said Merriweather. Yeah, Merriweather, Styles, Wilkins, Thomas, Salerno, Colsey. That's what we got, folks. So um, there's some star ratings in there that you can factor in, but like it is what it is. Outside of Michael Mayer, and the running backs are a nice little group, but there's just not a ton of talent. And yeah, I'm I'm not talking about them. I'm leaving the offensive line out of this, who's played exceptionally well. Um, so it was you like you know Len going. You did say Lindsey, right, Mike? I'm sorry, I forgot Lindsey. Okay, thank you, buddy. And Lindsey, you know, is a fine player. We kind of know what he is, but it's he, he can run fast. Um, so like you go back to looking at last year and it was like, we, you know, the quarterback situation was kind of wonky. The offensive line was kind of wonky. We just sort of like figured out ways to win. And that's, it kind of feels that way this year. Um, everything is less than ideal at every position, but offensive line and tight end, you know what I'm saying? So, um, 
yeah, it's, it's frustrating to watch. You know, you want to see the offense evolve, like throwing some screens, throwing some outside stretch plays. Um, I, I'm still not going to crucify Reese in terms of play calling. Um, yeah, you know, if, if Drew Pine can hit, I, I think, again, I think I, I read this, like Pine's missed five touchdown passes in the last two games. So, I mean, if we connect on some of those, we're, it's a different narrative coming out of these games, bro. You know, so it's a balance of is there really a a lot of talent? Is there a huge talent gap between Notre Dame and the average opponent? I don't know. Uh, Do we execute somewhat kind of is the play calling right? I mean, there's just a lot of variables and uncertainty and it's um, it's frustrating, man. I heard a lot of people talk about this game. They were sort of numb, right? They were numb coming out of it. Um, And I would agree. I mean, the soundtrack to this season is – you big Pink Floyd fan, Mike? Probably yeah, not. A little bit listening to him growing up. My dad loved him, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that's the soundtrack to the season is like uh, comfortably numb, you know, one of their big one of their big tracks. It's just like we've kind of become comfortable with whatever we sort of put out there. And the defense, it's the same story. It's like it's just not a lot of electric plays. I mean, um, the defensive line, I think, still plays great. Um Isaiah Foskey is smartly, you know, treated this game, this UNLV game as an opportunity to pad his stats. And that's what these games should be for the whole team. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's still a lot of room for growth. And um, I just think that it goes back to the same story, man. We just need a little bit or a lot more talent to really, you know, truly dominate some of these, some of these games. So uh, Brian, I see your super chat. We'll get to it in, in a minute. Appreciate it. Um, Got to talk Drew Pine, of course. Um, 14 to 28, 205, two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, I think it was what he missed. Lindsay for a touchdown. Over oh, I've got him written down. And yeah, he missed. Kyrie. Oh, um, when he missed, uh, he missed. Styles ran a post corner route and uh, he underthrew that. So he like. Overthrows yep. Lindsey, sort of misses Tyree. There's occasions where he underthrows. Well, what'd you make of his then, performance? What are the st- I can't see the stats. Four, Mike. Yeah, four, his- 14 of 28, 205, two touchdowns, one pick. I mean, I think it was serviceable. I mean, it's it's what we've got. Um the, the offensive line plays so well, and that kid has so much time to throw the ball. I mean, it's remarkable how much time he has to throw the ball. And yet, we still go to Michael Mayer statistically like 50% of the time. Yeah. So, yeah. 12, it's strange, man. 12 of Pines, 28 attempts to go to Mayer. It's bizarre, dude. I mean, that's been the entire season um, in terms of like Mayer's catch numbers, reception yardage, touchdowns versus the rest of the pass-receiving group as a whole. It's like 50-50 split. Which Mike Which, doesn't that, that has to speak to a few things. Not dominant receiver talent. You just went through it. Mayor is a dominant talent. Andrew Pine and just his his overall talent and maybe an experience to just throw to Michael Mayer and good things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, I put a note in, man. Like if I was the offensive coaching staff, and I'm half kidding here, bud. I'm half kidding. But, like, I might sit Michael Mayer out of practice for a week just to 
re-engage the wide receiver group and um, almost rewire Drew Pine, right? So like we go seven on, we go team period in practice, like Michael Mayer, you're going to heal up, you know, rest up, get your legs back um, through the midway point of the season. Because you can see it, Mike. You can jump down Lorenzo Styles' throat for, you know, missing a wide open catch, but like you were you were a receiver, Mike. So like, just imagine you're out there, and the likelihood you run seventy routes throughout the course of a game, you know, thirty five pass plays or whatever it is on average thirty, and you know that like the percentage of you getting the ball is like slim to none. Yet we're asking these kids to go out and execute um, picture perfect routes high level execution, high energy, high level of compete. But they're like, dude, I'm not getting the ball. You understand what I'm saying? Um, and then you, you know, then you factor in their, their youth on top of it, or maybe they don't have the best of habits kind of developed yet. And I feel for those receivers, man. Um, Cause it's just like, Oh, third down, we're going to Michael Mayer. Like, why am I even going to come off the ball? Right. I mean, they're human beings. They're not necessarily robots. So that's something that's got to be, got to be worked out um but it's just again the amount of time that pine has to to throw and i think it's become more and more evident mike i mean we could put this whole arm strength conversation to bed like the the dude doesn't have uh like even that even that pass that he threw to Jaden thomas was underthrown and some of these passes mike it's like you know we went out in the backyard and had a catch it's like mike go run a go run a post i mean it's like literally pitch and catch the players are so their scheme so open. He has so much time to throw it, and I don't know if he doesn't trust his arm, but like he's, you know that that ball to Lindsey, like he floated that one into the first row of the stands, and then there was another open pass later on in the game, and he tried to, uh, you know, throw one on a, on a line where there should have been air underneath it. So it's like he's not a great quarterback. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not. Um, and there, I, I, without you know continuing to beat the kid up, it's like it's you know, the rest of the season. It's not going to be pretty, man. It's just it's just not not going to be pretty. Agreed. Not a great quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He's not great. He's good. Is he good? He's a good quarterback. Is good. What's what's is? Or all right. Let, let's let's. I got. I actually got something for you. I got a little surprise for Mike Goolsby. Hit me. All right, scoot in. I know you're looking. You're you're doing this on your phone, so I need you to to, to squint your eyes a little. Oh, bit. Oh, look at you, dude! You cooked this up yourself. All right, so this is not. Uh, we got a player A, player B, player C. So I'll read this out for YouTube binds. Player A, sixty-four point six completion percentage with a five to one TD interception ratio, thrown for two hundred thirty-five point eight yards per game. <clears throat> Player B, 63 complete, excuse me, 63% completion percentage, four to one TD ratio, 179.5 yards per game. So player A, player B are basically this fairly close. Um, but that yards per game is a, a huge difference, right? Of what? Mm -hmm. 50, 60 yards. Player C, 65.5% completion percentage. So all the completion percentage are basically the same. 3.6 to one touchdown interception radio ratio, 242.3 yards per game. So the player A was, that's Book's senior year. Player B is Drew Pine this season. Player C is Jack Cohn. So really the numbers are all 
the same. And I had these were the metrics I could go with to not to be fair to Pine. I couldn't go with total yards or anything because Pine's only started what that was his fourth game. So I went with these um, stats here. Really, the only difference is is the yards per game. Book's senior year, he threw 15 touchdown passes to three picks. And and now his junior year, he was fantastic. Again, we're talking a guy who's played a ton of football. Pine really has not to this point. Um, I don't know. I I, I thought about this, um, and and I I put it together, and I was curious what your thoughts were. Um. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know me; I was a big fan of Ian Book, right? And His, I think that's a problem. I think a lot of people are just fans of a certain person. Let me, let me, let me, let me finish my thought. But no, right. yeah, I'm with you. Right. I'm with you. I'm with you. As long as you can own it. So, we have to talk about like the eyeball test, right? In terms of like the way a player looks, the way a player moves, um, the way he plays the game, right? Like if you're scouting a kid. The eyeball test factors in. So Book always seemed like a pretty dynamic athlete, had a strong enough arm. Book's biggest problem was he would never pull the trigger. Like I shouldn't say never, but he would rarely pull the trigger. And um, that's when we were getting into this quarterback kind of development conversation with Reese. You know, quarterback development and recruiting are somewhat, you know, cousins of one another. Uh, Jack Cohn had a ton of experience, had a, you know, average to slightly above average arm, um, but he was willing to push the ball, willing to pull the trigger. Um, And he looked okay. As long as you didn't ask him to move around, like he looked okay as far as the eyeball test. Like Drew Pine isn't passing the eyeball test in a lot of different, to a lot of different degrees. Like physically, he doesn't look the part. Um, and then just like the misses are just so glaring, um, dude. It's that's I mean that's that's part of it. But all, all these quarterbacks miss these throws, dude. I'm a Dolphins fan. I just watched him. He was two and that's a f- number five overall pick in the NFL draft. Sure, he underthrows everyone. Everyone is <laughs> so frustrating. Well, are we so talking I, about trying to trying to throw a deep ball to Cheetah and, and, and Jalen Waddle, or are we trying to? I mean, you know, you get what I'm Everyone, saying. Everyone, and I'm talking 20, 30, 40 yards, everything is underthrown. Crossing routes, and it's I'm just pulling my hair out, and it's like, guys, like just how far you can throw the football is not like it's it's just not everything. But Mike, you, you gotta, gotta stop thinking about the eye test. Two is not passing any eye test. He's a top five pick. Well, he's good enough to start for Nick Saban. He was good enough to be a top, you know, top ten pick. So I mean, he passed an eyeball test to some degree. You know what I'm saying? But like, you got to get out of your head, like arm strength in terms of like how far you can throw the ball. There's different. There's like, and there's even arm talent. You know, so it's like again on on Lindsay's, you know, inside release, just a goal ball. He sails it. And it's like that might be might have been one where you need to put that on a rope. Like he doesn't have a lot of arm talent. Um, it's just and again, I mean, two is kind of a hotly debated, you know, quarterback in general. Like some people like him, some people don't like him. Um, but yeah, some of this again, it's it's like I don't, I still don't mind the play calling. I think the yeah. the, the run game can be more creative. There could add screens, no doubt. But there are dudes open. 
Um, and when pine misses, pine misses big. Um, it's just, like I said, they really stick out. And then again, when you like go back and look at how much time the kid has to, to throw the ball, it's somewhat like unforgivable, man, but he, he's, he, he is who we, we got to kind of run with. Um, but I go back to like switching it up in terms of like the receivers. I, I feel like there's, there's something there, Mike, in terms of we consistently go to mayor on third down and we have all freaking year. People didn't really start to talk about it, kind of noticed it to the last two or three games. Um, and then furthermore, like going back to your statistics in terms of comparing Pine, Cone, and Book, who has Pine played? I mean, I mean, he's played three horrific defenses. I mean, four. UNC was god-awful. I mean, they were playing 10 yards off of our receivers. I mean, they were just giving up free access throws. Uh, UNLV, not a great team. Stanford, Stanford's defense, horrendous. And BYU, we thought much higher than kind of going into our game, but if you've watched the following games, not a good team, not a good defense. So, I mean, the kids had four cupcakes, and we look like he looks like an average well, to below average let, quarterback. Let me stop you, Mike. I'm not out here. I, I, people are like, Singer, you're ridiculous. Guys, I'm not saying he's Tua. I'm just saying, like, oh, God. Everyone's shitting on the kid. He is not that bad. This is just how people Yes, are. he is. No, no he is not. that bad. No, no he he's is. not. He's a 50%, he's a 50% thrower last two games. Below, I mean, if you, if you add the two together. He's bad, Mike. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not a bad quarterback. Interception in, in the past two games. Quarterbacks don't throw picks. Mike, he's bad. Mike, no, he's not. Fair enough. Let's move on. It's your show, but I'm just telling you. I I, I just I... I watched the TCU game, bro. I for, now I forget I forget who they even played. Max Duggan, their quarterback, somewhat of a local kid, he went to he's in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and they were saying during the broadcast he wanted to go to Notre Dame. Uh, I would take Max Duggan a hundred times out of a hundred over over Drew Pine. A hundred okay. times out of a hundred. I don't know if we recruited the kid. He's he's light years better than Drew Pine. Light light years. This is Notre Dame football, dude. He's not light good. Light years. Light years. See this. See Kevin gets it. He's not bad. He's not great. He's, he's good. He's just a good player. He can do good things. Well, we'll see in the next two. We'll see. We'll see in the next two weeks. And then the other thing that's, you know, this is the other thing. Let's let's just stay on Pine. Whatever. Let's call it the. We got to change the name of the show. <laughs> but like, we were all sold a bill of goods in terms of Drew Pine, right? Um, you know. What, what do we hear about Drew Pine? You know, he's so swaggy and he's so confident and blah, blah, blah. Where is that shit, right? Because that's all gone, you know? It was like, sure, he's small. Sure, he doesn't have the arm talent. This, this, this. There's all these, you know, negatives, perceived negatives. But he's confident. It's like, is he, though? So it's like our the, the one redeeming quality about our, our starting, the Notre Dame starting quarterback is an intangible confidence, leadership, et cetera. And that's gone too. And then furthermore, you know, he gets his bell rung or takes a hard shot there. And I love that play. I love that effort by Drew on that uh, that scramble. They bring in Steve Angeli. 
and uh, these NBC com commentators, like our commentators are almost worse at commentating than Drew Pine is at playing quarterback. It's brutal. But uh, they roll Angeli out, and they I forget who says it, but what do they say about Angeli? He's unflappable. And it's like, oh, another intangible. It's like, can we talk about, man, he's a world-class athlete. Like, he's got an insane arm strength, the quick release. Everything that we talk about with our quarterbacks, what we tout, they're intangibles. It's insane. I mean, this is football. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to get drafted in the first round because you're confident. You have to have some deliverables. Okay. So you're watching all these other college football games, and you want Drew Pine to be something he's not. You're frustrated I, about Notre Dame's quarterback recruiting more that's than where, you are. That's about why I point Pine. that. I point that. Yes, yes, Mike, and I point that arrow squarely at Tommy Reese for the lack of recruiting elite, or even really going after and pursuing kids that you would actually have to work for. Like you said, Mike, recruiting isn't rocket science. You just got to work at it. You feel me? Like it's. We're the University of Notre Dame. You offer a five-star quarterback, a high four-star kid with a lot of physical gifts. They're going to listen, and you got to stay at it. So I, I I point the arrow squarely at Reese for the lack of development, the lack of recruitment of these high-end kids. I still don't have as big of an issue with the week-to-week -week play calls as most. My my frustration is more centered around the recruiting and development. That's that's definitely where I agree. I agree. I don't know. I, I, I just I... – Again, I've, I say this so many times. It's just very easy for fans to point at three individuals when things aren't going well. The quarterback, the offensive coordinator, and the head coach. I mean, defense coordinator sometimes too, but that really hasn't been too much of an issue for Notre Dame. It's just like, but no one, no one's talking about draw passes or Audrey Estime fumbles. If Audrey Estime doesn't fumble, we, we, we don't. No one talks. No one's pissed about Audrey Estime. You know, just because he looks amazing, you know, like he passes the eyeball test, but he's fumbling. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's that's just me. I, I'm just always the guy. If everyone was in here saying, you know, some guy's the best thing ever, I, I'd probably push back. I'm just on popular opinion. guy. No, it's good. It's good, Mike. And again, you know, so much of my frustration and I love the back and forth. I think that's what makes our show semi entertaining here, bro. But uh, I was such a big fan of Tyler Buckner. And like, yeah, that's where so much of my almost like anger comes from is like, in, in my mind, I'm defending Tyler, but I want to switch gears a little bit. You talked about estimate fumbling, big issue. You know, when he fumbled today, he's looking for contact, probably should have went over the top of that kid. You know, when somebody's trying to tackle you that low, but estimate got sat down, you know, like he got sat down and I can, I'm trying to kind of piece together a, an argument here, like the, looking over at the defensive side of the ball, we don't play very hard on defense. Our front four does fairly consistently, but they don't play hard. Like you don't see max effort. And that's like concerning for a couple of reasons. Like one, you rotate so much, you should have plenty of gas left in the tank to like play hard. Um, but then I'm thinking – these, these kids on defense are somewhat disincentivized to play hard because no matter what they do or don't do, the rotation still stays the same. And we talked about that, I think, last week's show in terms of like meritocracy versus like an equitable situation on defense. So it's like if a starter 
continues to start, then he misses some tackles, he screws up some run fits, and he still keeps starting. And I go out there and I kill it as his backup or the second string rotation. I play better than him, and the starter still starts. It's like, well, that's disheartening to me as a kid that's trying to compete and trying to win that starting job. You feel me on that, Mike? Sure. So it's like it was interesting to see they sit estimate down for an obvious fumble and a you know it's a pretty obvious issue, but it's like there's some obvious issues on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball, linebacker play, run fits. There's two long runs today, and where I come from, Mike, that's like unacceptable. And we continue to see us getting gapped um, in these chunk running plays against a second string running back from UNLV. And we're still going to roll out the same kids and the, and the rep share is still going to be the same. So that's something that the coaching staff really ought to look at. And I've been kind of alluding to this all season, but it's like, I, I feel like you're really disincentivizing kids from going out there and letting them hang, dude. Cause even if I go make plays, I'm, I'm still not going to start. I'm still going to get a third of the reps. Uh, they got to work that out. Yeah. Let them hang, put it on a t-shirt. All right, a bunch of super chats to get through. Brian says, when Reese goes pro, I, I mean, is that being reported? I mean, we, you I heard it here first. It needs, it needs to be an if. If Reese goes pro, I think there's a decent chance it happens, but again, we'll see. What do we think about hiring Brian Hartline and also a QB coach? So currently, Notre Dame has a receivers coach. So Heartline, I don't know. You you would have you can only have so many assistant coaches. So um, and, and is that so? Your court, yeah. You can have ton, tons of analysts and whatnot, but you're not going to bring in, um, you know, some, some big name quarterback coach and Brian Hartline because you're replacing one guy with two. You can't you can't do that unless you can bring in like a, you know, David Cutcliffe or something like that as an analyst. Then you know you, you can have a you know, a guy to coach the quarterbacks in that sense, but not a, one of the 11 assistant coaches. But anyways, thoughts on Brian Hartline as offensive coordinator. Yeah, Brian, it's, it's difficult to get into like specific names in terms of coaching candidates. I think Freeman already made a run at Hartline and he's got a good gig there at Ohio state. Um, so I would say that'd probably be slim, but I like the idea of having, a quarterbacks coach. I like the idea of expanding the staff. I mean, we have, last I heard, Alabama has 60 analysts on their staff. Notre Dame has zero, right? So um, this is, I've asked the coaching staff, Mike, that's accurate. They have no recruiting analysts. They, don't, they have no like support. So like your coaches are the ones recruiting, game planning, all of that. It's on the coaching staff. I mean, they're, they so, have- like they have grad assistants and they have plenty of recruiting office folks, but um Well yeah, you got a couple grad assistants on each side of the ball, but I'm saying it's not to the level of like a higher end program. No. So yeah, like I think Wyatt, uh, Chris Watt, like those guys are around, but it's not obviously it's nothing like Alabama. Well yeah, Laronice is a GA. You know, I'm talking about extra support where it's like, okay, so and so is gonna handle this breakdown. And then I can go focus on tackling this week or whatever is the case. Um, yeah, it just yeah. we can we can go in on we can kind of like I said as long as Freeman can hold this recruiting class together and continue to recruit, um, 
But it's like, dude, with this 2023 recruiting, Mike, like, isn't there a Josh Allen out there? Isn't there just some diamond in the rough, the kid? Like, we can't, we got nothing in the whole country. Can't find one kid that's interested in coming and playing quarterback in Notre Dame. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's bizarre. Well, I mean, the thing about the Josh Allens of the world and J.J. Watts is that, you know, they probably weren't great coming out of high school. Uh, that's why they're two stars and had no offers, or they're just fantastic and literally no one saw them. Um, Nobody saw them. I mean, Josh Allen, I mean, I'm sure past. He, he, he wasn't even that great at Wyoming. Like, he wasn't that great. He was just this, like. Well, based off of what, play. though, statistics or the eyeball test, right? So you can look at somebody and say, that kid's got physical tools. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Develop. So yeah. it's, it's, again, Mike, it's that. I, I, your your thing is truck versus trailer. That'll go on a t-shirt one day. Uh, my thing is potential versus production, right? So let your let your hair hang. Let your hair leave. Whatever. Could be. Um, that's the PG version. But going back to like pine, book, cone, eyeball test. Yeah, you know, pine's in uh, dead last in terms of that eyeball test. Yep. So, uh, Mike, what do you, what do you think about the this? scan offense that is so much has been made of it um you know it was milton fans talking about it. tyler fisher says give pine some m tempo uh screw the scan um and i know tim hyde has he posted on our blue and gold message board he went through mm -hmm. and charted every single play after one of those so we'll, we'll have him on our, our live show wednesday night and he'll break that down but i don't know mike uh what what, what do you think about it I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. It sticks out. It looks worse than it is because the results really aren't there. I think it worked better this week in terms of drawing up some successful plays and Pine's got to connect on it. Um, but I also, so I don't, I don't hate it. I let it kind of play itself out. Tempo is great, but it should be sprinkled in. It's just like anything else. Like Charlie Weiss's offense was heavy on screens and heavy on draws. And it's like, well, a screen or a draw should be sprinkled in. Tempo should be sprinkled in. Okay, first drive of the game, we're going to go tempo. You know, first drive of the second quarter, we're going to go tempo. First drive of the third quarter, we're going to go tempo. Um, I think on this team, in this stadium, tempo could work more just because, like, in this game, there was no juice. It was just – it was lame. That you know, it's just a lame game. Um, so yeah, I think that tempo could have served us well today just to kind of get the get the motor running a little bit. And uh, maybe some of that's due to the music in, in, in the stadium. I put a note down. I'm watching the game on Peacock, which is all uh, brutal. Peacock's brutal, but we they're were playing like the they're playing like the the uh, like yeah, you you cut out for a moment for me at least. Can you start back on your thought about Peacock? Oh, Peacock sucks. I mean, <laughs> oh, when, you, when you're trying to wait, yeah, when you're trying to watch the game, it's like you try and rewind a play, and then you can't see what you're rewinding. It's just, it's, it's not good. <laughs> like I'm listening to like the the game day music in the stadium. They're playing the Venga Boys. You know what the Venga Boys like? Anybody go Google the Venga Boys. Um, and the song is like, "We like to party." I was like, "I, I know that's Venga Boys," and they're playing like. You know who Sheck West is? It's a rapper. Mo Bamba is the song. Like, go find the lyrics to that song. And they're playing like that in Notre Dame Stadium. It's just so weird. We go from like Venga Boys to Mo Bamba. 
Uh, just a weird, <laughs> weird game day environment, man. Weird, you know, Venga Boys, like a, a, a crappy pop song from like 1994 or something, if I had to guess. Strange. Anyway, just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> How do we go from the scan offense to that? Okay, uh, uh, tempo. I'm just. Yeah, we're talking about. We're talking about. Yeah, like getting getting something going, getting the team motivated. It's like Banga Boys ain't gonna do it. The scan offense isn't gonna do it. Tempo might help. Um, but I did want to weave that in there. Yeah. Um, that whole NBC my- broadcast in general, like, yeah, I think NBC is kind of focused on the NFL, and Notre Dame definitely seems like a secondary secondary to their NFL thing, but it's like, it's just very stuffy and NBC, like even their NFL broadcast, like everybody's got a comb over. It's just like, it's, it's, it's bad. Um, and I don't think it's great for like Notre Dame's brand and, and image, but continue, Mike, I'm sorry. No, we're good. Uh, we got, uh, I would say the, the YouTube chats about 70, 30 on, uh, Goolsby singer being correct 70% for you Mr. Goolsby on the whole pine discussion and the word bad um, Mike Nolan says he's going with bad great kid but not for this level can't read a defense to find open guys and play scared okay all right Mike you're not joining the show anytime soon sir I'm just kidding not really all right right before says ND is pl- oh wait that's a different comment Milton fans says Mike G touched the belly button Drew Pines not bad Lou Holtz says, uh, not bad, not great. Quarterbacks immediately look better w- with more low-risk passes. Bubble screen to playmakers place just one bubble screen. Come on, Tommy. Um, I don't disagree with that last comment. Yeah. But, um, I, I, again, I, I look at I, – yeah, well, Mike, like, when I, like, as you're thinking, ahead. let me read another one. You can think on that thought. I, I missed this one, too. Chris says, I agree with Singer. <sighs> Let's go. We got a few of them. Uh, for shade Chris, you can win with pine if you tailor the game to his strengths what happened to building on 21 personnel offense from a north carolina game completely agree about 21 personnel uh, um miss it and i'll also add on the scan offense why i actually like it again i'm an unpopular opinion guy is since pine is not a great quarterback I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see why you're shaking your head. I'm listening, man. Go ahead. You need things to be built around him. You need everyone to do things to help him. And I think that scan offense helps put him in situations where they're they're, they're calling the right plays and, and where they should be based on the defense personnel and alignment. Can we go back to that super chat? We have, you know, something to the effect that we have to play to Drew's strengths. Okay, yeah, here we go. Chris, Chris Burroughs. Uh, you can win with Pine, sure, if you tailor the game to his strengths. So, Mike, could you step in as a Pine fan for Chris here? What <laughs> what are what are Pine's top three strengths? Uh, tangible strengths, not his confidence, not his leadership. Go ahead, I'll listen. A belly button. Belly button's fantastic, Mike. No, this is an honest question because everybody talks about like people people. It, it's uh, they're just throwaway comments. Like, what are the strengths? Chris, drop another super chat. I want to know what are the strengths? Accuracy, maybe, maybe not. I'd say intermediate. You know that ten to twenty yards. Like he <laughs> throws some good balls, dude. Yeah. Does he not? So yeah, okay, I'll grant you that, Mike. Okay. So okay, so we're already playing against loaded boxes on defense because nobody a fears Drew Pine's ability to go over the top. 
and B, we don't really have a lot of guys that can win one-on-one consistently on the outside, okay? And when they do, Drew can't connect. So you're playing against a, a loaded box, and then we're going to run intermediate routes where all those guys are already flooding. It's like – and that's why our, our red zone offense is, is trash. Does that make sense? So, you know, far red zone, near red zone, we're on the 20-yard line going in. There's a lot of bodies in a condensed area. That's why it's sometimes it's difficult to throw the ball down there. So in, if we're going to play to Drew Pine's strengths and throw intermediate routes, there's already, where it's already jammed up. There's already nine, 10 people in that space. So that's what I, I just want to know. What are, what are Drew's strengths as a quarterback that are tangible, not his leadership and his swagger and confidence, which I don't see either. But anyways, we can keep going. Quickly, I think he's mechanics and release. I think are very good. Did I make a good? Did I do a good enough job, Mike, of explaining how he has to step into his throws with a wide base? Did I talk about that? I was trying to Not explain yet. this to my mother. Nice. So I touched on it last week in terms of like you prefer Drew's mechanics to Tyler's, um, the release point, etc. So Drew's five nine. Now I don't care what he's listed at. I've stood next to the kid. He's five foot nine. Joe Alt is six foot eight. Crazy. So when Drew goes to throw, he has a wide platform. Like his feet are wide, right? So which inherently Mike makes him even shorter. Do you understand? Sure. And then he has to step into that throw. So he's wide, he's low, he has to step into the throw, he gets balls batted. And he has to have that like wide base in order to complete like an accurate pass. So he can't really throw like off platform or any of that, um, which is why I kind of liked Tyler a quicker release. And it might not look as pretty and as like, you know, kind of statuesque old school football quarterback play. But uh, yeah, Drew's mechanics, again, I think would be great if it was 1992. Um, but he just needs so much space to be able to get that ball off. And it's just, it's, and he has it even with the, with the time that he's given, but that's why I'm just not a fan of those, those mechanics in modern day football. Also, can we throw out twice? We tried to inside play action. We rolled him out to his left and both plays were just like, doo doo, like throw that out of the playbook, whatever that is. I mean, he's not the athlete to roll across his ball. We do play action and we leak somebody out. I think it was a, I think it might've been mayor mayor's covered. And then, Anyways, let's talk about something else. We haven't talked about the defense, but well, any other super chats there, bro? We got one. You asked me a question, though. You didn't really let me answer. I would Sorry, say go ahead. Uh, I do that. I do that. I, I, oh, I, you know, we I, gave I, you 10 I, minutes to think about it. 10 minutes to think about it. Go ahead. Top three strengths of Drew Pine, not uh, intangibles. Yeah. It's, I, I, you, you, you made your point, but I, I – he throws a good ball in, in those in short to intermediate games. He loves this Michael Mayer, but I mean, every quarterback in Notre Dame can throw to Michael Mayer. That's uh, nothing. Um, that's no shocker. Um, dude, he's durable. You going to give him that? Does that count? He's tough. It's a bit. <laughs> he's on the field. Well, I feel like that's that's me being sensitive. I feel like that's a shot at my boy Tyler. But oh, yeah, how about a shot at Tyler? Because Tyler's hurt. 
So is that so Tyler having injury concerns is that not fair to say that that that's been a dude some some people just have that unluckiness that they get hurt. No, I agree. Like they get the soft tissue things. I get it. I mean, so that's two. So I will I will grant you the durability. I mean, it's, it seems like a bit of a strain, a bit of a, a stretch there. So he's good at 10 yard passes and he <laughs> hasn't gotten hurt. So I asked for three, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I like his, I like his mechanics. Okay. So, yeah. So if, if we're trying to sell ND, in our offense, et cetera, to a, you know, five-star talent at the wide receiver position. Like, dude, you get to come play with Drew Pine. He's great at 10-yard throws. Come on, Mike. Come on, Mike. He's durable. And he's, look at him. He's got a great release. Mike, you're, you're, that's not the, that's not the point I'm, I've been trying to make. Said everyone's saying he's dog shit. And I'm just saying he's not dog shit. I'm not saying he's anything above just like a good service quarterback. I just wish I just wish that we had a different option, and, and, and that, I don't I don't consider Angeli an option at this phase in his career. I don't. But okay, right. and I'm not personally attacking Drew Pine. You you but can't just, say that. I don't think you can say that. Why not? You're, I'm being objective. I'm being objective. It comes across harsh, but this is big time football, right? I'm saying objectively speaking, he's five foot nine. Is that a pro or is that a con? It's a con. Objectively speaking, it is, man. You say a lot more than that, Mr. Coolsby. <laughs> I'm just saying, dude. I said he has a noodle arm. You know, he's not driving the ball. And it's not, it's not even a matter of like, okay, how far does he throw it? I'm sure he can throw 55 yards in the air. But like, what does it look like? Is it floating or is it driven? Right? Can he whip the ball? Anyways. Right before says Notre Dame has played down to its opponents since Brian Kelly, and this leads to rebuilding years because the young guys don't get reps. Elite elite teams don't do this. Yeah, and it was interesting. I think I think that's a great point there. And I touched on this after the Brigham Young game, and it could have just been the Vegas environment, but you know, kind of the post the Cameron Field post game. I saw like a lot of young guys with a lot of energy like super enthusiastic and it almost seemed like there was kind of a changing of the guard. I, I, I think I talked about it on the show, Mike, and we really, there hasn't been a lot of follow-up to that. Um, I'm a big fan of Prince Kali and like Prince's body language, man. I think he's like getting a little bit frustrated out there. It goes back to what I was saying earlier in terms of like, we're rotating and we're starting the same guys, whether they play like crap or whether they play great. We're sticking with our starters. I, I can see Prince Kali getting a little frustrated. I can see, you know, Lorenzo's style starting to slip a little bit. These are guys that are younger guys that we were excited about. Um, so, yeah, I do think there's a, a degree of that. And I'm like, the, I'm a big leadership guy, Mike. We talked about that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that looks like on this team. Um, you know, really ac- across the board. So like with that last super chat, like young guys are developed and they sort of learn that leadership from the older guys, you know, kind of the way we do things and really the standard, which I like to talk about. I don't know what our standard is this year in terms of effort, execution, whatever. So 
those younger guys, albeit they're they're very talented, at least you know based off their high school rankings, recruiting, et cetera. So you're still excited about them, but how are they being conditioned to think and how to uh, condition to work? There's a little bit of room for concern, you know, in the in the coming years because I don't think there there's a good model being set by the older guys, and a couple of your captains are you know hurt and they're not even playing. We had a super super chat from Sean who says. Um... Um, thanks for your honesty, Mike. I don't know which Mike he's talking to here, but uh, I'm just. I think we're both being honest, Mike. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Everyone's like, I love Goolsby. He tells it how it is. Like, it, he very much does, but <laughs> I think everyone tells it. I mean, we're we're not. Look, it'd be very easy for me to just kind of go with the go with everyone else on. Excuse me, I should say the majority on all of these topics, but I don't give two shits and I'm going to tell you guys exactly how I feel. And I love you for it. Mike, I love you for it. Again, if if we all agreed, there wouldn't be, we don't get into the X's and O's over here. I I don't want to be that guy. I've always tried to, yeah, we've always tried to make this a little bit entertaining, Mike, right? I mean, have a couple laughs. We, we don't have setups with NBC and stuff to where like, if you go watch ESPN, they will show, CBS highlights and Fox highlight, you know, games on Fox, and because they have that those partnerships. I mean, if I put up clips from an NBC or Peacock game or ESPN or whatever, our show will get taken down. So that's that's I, Mike. If we could do that, we would absolutely do some of those. We would probably spend 10, 15 minutes on that, um, mm-hmm. or um, maybe in the future at, at some point we can get you on the chalkboard, you know, and and do something like that, but. Yeah, yeah, piece of cake. Yeah, it'd be fun. Um, okay. Uh, I was I had your notes because um, yeah, special teams. We haven't talked to any special teams. We talked about identity offensively and defensively. It's like the offense is just a big question mark, and the defensive identity seems to be bend but don't break. It um, does, and a lot of missed tackles and starting to get some turnovers. Special teams um, is go make plays like bl- bl- all these block punts. Um, the punter and kicker have both been very good. Nothing really in the punt return game or, or kick return game that I can think of off the top of my head, Mike, but those plays, those two things, just the kick return more so than the punter term seem to just be going away in, in football. Do you agree with me? That's fair. I mean, kick return more so than punt return, but yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, dude, Brian Mason, Dude's a rock star, and he recruits his ass off too. I really like him. Yeah, and I, you know, I played on a team in '02 that had great special teams, and it's just something that a Syracuse is really going to have to spend a little bit more time in practice drilling into and focusing on, which is an advantage for us. Um, we blocked three punts in the last two games. I love the move putting Foskey out there. I love it. Um, I would it wouldn't shock me if in the next two games we make a little bit of hay in the return game because now your opponents are going to be so focused on blocking it up. Sure, they might fail to work on the coverage. Okay, so we can show block and then we. I mean that that's where you would build off of. We have the threat of a block. So you heard it here first. I'd like to see some sort of a wall return or something on on, on the punt return game, but. The threat of blocking kicks uh, can strike a lot of fear into opposing team. They got to spend time coaching it up, and then 
the next step, the next evolution is the return game for sure. So absolutely. There's three phases of the game. And like with an offense, it's kind of sputtering. And I think will continue to kind of sputter and a defense. It doesn't make a lot of things happen. That's the third phase of the game. Um, and it's important. I mean, it's, uh, we don't want to lean on our special teams. We're not like Virginia tech, right. you know, but yeah, you love to see it. And then thoughts at the linebacker spot, Mike, you want to talk about those guys? I just don't think that we play hard consistently. I mean, Howard Cross is a dog. Foskey's played hard the last several games and he's, he's starting to get home. But um, yeah, the linebacker fits. It's like the best way that I could say, and this is just a kind of dipping my toe into that X's and O's conversation. Like when I train linebackers and it's just a mirror drill. So like I teach kids to read the back and then they sort of feel the underneath stuff. So in your periphery, you're feeling the guards, you're feeling a full back or, you know, an H back cross your face, but we're key in the back. And for all those of us watching at home, the running back shoulders, Mike, make me go full screen here real quick. If you could. Yeah. So it's like, my shoulders are square. It's going to be an inside run when that running back takes the ball. If that shoulder, if those shoulders turn to a 45, it's going to be an off tackle thing. If those shoulders turn to the sidelines, just turn and run. So like I'm, it was their, uh, their first long run, that 70 yard run. Like JD doesn't acknowledge where the running backs taking him. So he steps up and then he gets himself cut off where he should just be a fast flow player. Um, those kids don't have great instincts. They just, they just don't in their, their fits are off. And then the other thing, like if you have a specific gap, like you're going to shade alignment. If I have the weak side, a gap, I'm probably going to shade the weak guard, right? They always seem to be a half a man misaligned where they let themselves get cut off. Um, and then the other thing is like, they catch blocks, like, it's their job. It, they catch blocks like they're almost being taught to catch blocks. So wait, 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 and they'll, they're a magnet. They just they catch blocks. So it's just bad instincts. I think Maris played hard. I, again, I still think Drew, or excuse me, JD plays hard. But JD, man, he's out of control. You know, and I, I just don't think he's like a good enough athlete. Um to like mix up his tempo he, he's he has to do everything full speed in order to, to compete if that makes sense right so he'll overrun balls that play mike where the quarterback i think it was first quarter second quarter the quarterback looks like he's gonna go down somehow steps out of like five tackles jd overruns the play overruns the ball and the guy like manages to fall for a first down like plays like that it really sticks out to you. Like, this isn't a great defense. They're not they're not dogs. Like, you've got a, a quarterback just standing up, waiting to get hit, waiting to cough the ball up, and somehow he manages to, like, wiggle through and fall for a first down. Like, that stuff's shameful. Um, and he, that he just doesn't get enveloped by the entire defense. I don't think they, I don't think they play well. I've said it all season. I, I play hard, rather. I, and, and their fits are off, and I just feel like if they could – switch their initial alignment, bump a half a yard one way or the other, and they'd make more plays in the ball. Okay. But it's, um, yeah, it's not great. 
How do you feel about Notre Dame these next two games, Mike? Syracuse uh, on the road, 12 p.m. kick, and then uh, Clemson at home the following weekend. I think we lose to Syracuse, and I think we beat Clemson. No shit, really? Yeah. Why's that? I'd, Syracuse is a difficult place to play. Um, I just think they're they're a well-coached team. I think we lose close to Syracuse, and – I just feel like I think that Clemson's probably a little bit overvalued. I don't think they're as great and as dominant of a team as as their ranking would reflect. And uh, I just think there's going to be some magic in the air for that night game at home against Clemson. Um, and I think they can they can pull off a win. That's just just my, that's just what my gut tells me. I think we'll lose to the Q's, the Orangemen. And I think we'll come home and beat Clemson. And I'm going to bet it that way too, Mike. Ooh, okay. Yeah. All right. Any, any other closing thoughts before we get out of here, Mr. Goolsby? Just looking through my notes. Um, just casual observations. When uh, Drew got hit on the back of his head there after his scramble, could have been me, but it didn't look like we had a like contingency plan like in place. Like it wasn't like Angeli started taking snaps from under center and kind of warming himself up, um, which is a little concerning. It was just like, do we not have a backup plan in place? Like I think we were caught off guard by the fact that Drew Pine could actually get dinged up in a game. Um, it didn't look like Angeli was like knew what to do, how to get prepared to potentially go in the game. It just kind of stuck out to me. Um, but that was about it. I think, oh, the other thing that I just one positive in this game, more than recent games or throughout the season, I thought that we worked the middle of the field in the passing game more, uh, which should suit Drew. I mean, he doesn't have the arm strength to throw these like outbreaking routes unless it's like a six yard hookup to, to Michael Mayer. So that was encouraging. Um, but yeah, this is going to be kind of a, a wonky season. And, um, Let's just get through it. And Coach Freeman, you got to give him time. He's definitely learning on the job. And uh, he's here to recruit. And as long as – I mean, he's probably the only reason that we're holding the class together. And uh, I still believe in him in that regard. So we're not quite there yet. I think we just need some more special special kids on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, how many years have we been saying that? <laughs> so, but, as long as I've known you. Yeah. Uh, last super chat. This will be our last call for our, or we, I've done my last call now. So this is, will be our last one of the night that we'll, we'll address. Appreciate all the supports tonight, folks. Been amazing show. Mike Nolan says, can we run versus the Qs? They play three, three, five and Clemson ran for two ninety three. I hope they can run the ball against Syracuse. If Notre Dame can, it'll be a long day. Yeah. Uh, anytime you're playing a three man front, you should be able to just run downhill because your inside linebackers aren't covered up and the guards can just roll off on people. Um, so we absolutely should. I think this game we probably could have ran off tackle a little bit more. I'd love to see some more stretch plays to Tyree. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Audric. Are we going to go with just run out, you know, roll out digs and have him have another 30 carries? Who, by the way, Mike, uh, I think the spring game was at uh, late April. Yep. Logan Diggs tore his labrum. I've had that injury i've had that surgery that's a six-month recovery and 
dude, all the all the credit in the world to Logan Diggs for toughing this out. But like Logan Diggs should just be coming back like now. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. I mean, he shouldn't at least in my instance, it was a six month recovery rehab before I could go run and hit. So yes, we should be able to run. Um, and I hope we do. It's just like, let's not muck this up. Let's not go empty. Let's bring back two back personnel. Um, but it should be an ugly game. It's going to be close. Maybe a special teams turnover. It's going to be special team turnover type game, uh, kind of thin margins. All right. Yeah. We had one more, uh, Theodore, um, says, um, Mike, if Marist and JD start, can they fill and not over pursue against Navy? I think they will get gashed by Navy's fullback and Navy's coach will attack these linebackers worried about losing this game. This will be the last super check guys. I promise. That's a great, uh, it's a great call out there by Theodore. It could be problematic. I don't see JD having as much of an issue. I think we're probably going to bring them. I think we're going to blitz them a lot. Uh, to offset the lack of instincts. And I've played against that Navy team, Mike, multiple times, dude. And it's like you're scraping over the top of as a linebacker, and they will give it. It's all based off the fullback. Air Force is all based off the quarterback. But they'll give it to that fullback even if there's a one-foot gap. Like you have to stick your head in there whether he has the ball or not. And it's difficult to do because you you don't see – because I play – you play linebacker like running back. You're looking for air. And there is no air. There's only a gap this big, but you got to run in there. Otherwise, he's going to fall forward for four yards. So, yeah, that could absolutely be um, problematic. I believe it. We are not Marshall. Says, why do I believe that Goolsby and Singer wouldn't be running in the same circles outside of this show? Man, I would love to have a beer with Goolsby. I I think me and Goolsby would be. What does that mean? What does that mean? He doesn't think that we would be friends. Well, of course, we live in different states. Uh, But Goolsby and I. I'm in the. Yeah, on a daily basis, um, he facetimes me. We, we, you know, we we sing to each other at night. So I think I think this is. I am into cats and Pokemon. You know, (laughs) Singer and I have a lot in common. What are you talking? I like my cats. So, yeah. No, we. One of these days we're gonna meet. You know, we're gonna have a. We've never met in person, so one of these days. It's bound to happen. Yeah. Bound to happen. All right, Mr. Goolsby, next Sunday, you're in? I'm in, man. All right. Well, folks, appreciate you watching until the end here. Hit that thumbs up before you get out of here. Um, Of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have not yet, uh, leave us a kind review. If you're listening via podcast, and on always, everyone, we'll catch you next time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.